0: Hey, everyone. This is Steve from OptimismVaccine.com and the OpVacCast. And I'm sure you're asking yourselves a couple of questions right now. The first thing you're probably saying is, Steve, where have you been this entire time? And my answer is, uh, I had to go to New Orleans for my day job. And uh, besides that, do you think I honestly want to spend four and a half hours with these clowns talking about movies? No, of course I don't. Uh, But they did. They really enjoyed themselves for quite a long time. So originally, this was going to be a two-parter but it kind of turned into a three-parter, which worked out really well with this whole like three billboards, three podcasts motif we got going. So yeah, this is the beginning of episode three of our Oscar coverage, and there's not the usual intro, because uh, we weren't planning on episode two being this long, so here we are. Uh, Jack Eason is drunk. Uh, the guys discuss uh, best cinematography, best foreign film, best animated film, probably some other stuff. I'm sure they get in a few more cracks at three billboards uh, before the podcast is done. So, yeah, give it a listen and enjoy yourselves. Eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one.
1: on yeah, to that's perhaps true. the most disappointing category of the whole lot here. Uh, best Cinematography yeah. where we have uh, Roger Deakins hi, for hi. Blade Runner 2049. Uh Another name. I, I get to b- butcher more names
2: here, I guess. I hope he gets that. I hope he gets that that uh, Academy Award on, for the movie that nobody on, will ever uh, remember. On
3: fucking principle, I hope Roger Deakins doesn't win shit for this and
1: fuck. Okay, him. We're, we gotta finish the list here. Uh, <gasps> Bruno Del Bonell for Darkest Hour, uh, Hoyt Van Hoytema for Dunkirk. Uh, Rachel Morrison for Mudbound and Dan Lostson for The Shape of Water uh, I-
3: I've not I've not seen two of these but I hate all of them <laughs> I just want to <laughs> let you know wow.
4: So Jack's out of this conversation Jack's <laughs> no, no, not out of very any much conversation in this,
3: I am very much <laughs> in this conversation and I've seen Blade Runner 2049 and I hate everyone involved in that film Completely, And I think that's very fair of me, and I'm very open-minded. <laughs>
1: uh, uh, I did not like Blade Runner 2049, but it might be the best-looking <laughs> of these five films. <laughs>
5: I, Shut the I, fuck no, up. No, I have to agree with Adam. I, and as much as I'd love I Deacons to win, I, I wish it was for a different it's
3: movie. It's nice, but it's a shitty movie. Yeah, of course it's a it's shitty movie. Yes, well, that's it yes, not yes, what the yes, award yes, is not for best
5: it. film, Jack.
3: <laughs> it's, I, I don't like, think it's this nicely is nicely But I don't think Even Deacon's work Like Deacon's A shot better looking Even oh, Sicario Is yeah. a better looking film Than Blade Runner
4: 2049 But, a, but again Jack This is also, the Oscars And like the one that people eventually win for is all, all Oh I know. Their best oh winners.
1: yeah, also the category also, is it, it, the category it, 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 is not best Roger Deakin cinematography either so.
3: It should be like it's, honestly Roger Deakins to shop for like photographs of my bathroom 2018. I think
2: that I, I would even put prisoners over this, but because this is like he sanitizes the material, and I am not saying that it was his idea or whatever, but he's good at that, and and it leans the movie leans into that sanitization of images, and that's not what Blade Runner is. Yeah,
3: yeah no, I I don't like like Blade Runner twenty four nine. I hated the movie. I thought it was a sh. Like. It's a garbage movie, and I liked Ridley Scott's. And I, I like Ridley Scott's original movie, even though it's not a great movie. But it has this no. world. It has a world that works. I think the script is dumb. I think Harrison Ford plays a shitty protagonist in it. I, I've always, for twenty years, thought that Blade Runner would be a great world to set a ba- better film in, and then
2: or like a Lego movie,
3: yeah, and then fucking. <laughs> fucking what's his name the director came along and it's like let's make a movie that's even more got like even more wrought up its ass than Ridley Scott's movie in the Blade Runner universe and made this boring is it is it Ten hours long. I don't. I don't recall. <laughs> <laughs> movie.
2: I actually didn't think it was that uh, it's, laborious. But.
3: It's very. It's very bad. It's a terrible
2: movie. Uh, I mean, the sex scenes are like uh, the sex. Oh, scene geez, where he, Is like oh yeah,
3: where where he like fucks a computer or whatever. I don't. Oh, I don't and know. And the girl's yeah. her oh. sex
5: scene done over again with a hologram. Yeah. except much yeah. worse. It's <laughs> it's, yeah. it's pale oh, yeah.
3: fire by Vladimir Nabokov if you removed all of the poetry and replaced it with just shit, and that's the movie. <laughs> it's just a really dull, non-poetic, like, torturously kind of belabored film. It's like Tarkovsky, if Tarkovsky was just an incredibly boring individual who never like talked to a stroke to anyone. or something. Yeah, yeah, it's, it's, so, it's such a boring film so, to me. like, who, so... Do we all agree that Deacons should win, or be- besides Jack? No. Oh, okay. well, who, who else are um, you picking in this well, category? I don't know. It's, Hoyt, it's a Van garbage Hoytema? category. It's, yeah. It do- yeah, no, honestly, he's good. It's a shitty category, because all of them... I haven't seen Mudbound. Mudbound is not good, and it, them- doesn't
2: good. it doesn't look good. It doesn't look good. Okay, Mud, Mudbound <laughs> and Darkest
3: Hour, I haven't <laughs> seen. The rest of them, they all look good, but, god, I would, like, if, looks they're, good. if they're, if they're driving the image of cinema. And I mean, I saw Dunkirk on seventy millimeter, not IMAX, because Chicago's one seventy miller I, seventy millimeter IMAX cinema. The only cinema they are capable of doing that was under repairs when the film came out, so they couldn't <laughs> they couldn't show it. So was like a troll so, job. So I had to watch it in mere seventy millimeter, but not IMAX, which means obviously I saw a pale shadow of what Christopher Nolan <laughs> really intended. But even in that, if this is what's driving cinema forward as a visual medium I couldn't give a shit what they're doing, I don't care, I've seen better movies released on like you know, like on 16mm or on DCP you know, I don't, like there's Takashi Miike films made in 1999 on fucking like garbage video cameras that look better than these these any of these films I don't care um so if these are the best that 2017 gave then 2017 was a shitty year for film as a visual it was a
5: shitty year for film so
1: that's true
3: but there
2: are
1: better yeah. there are
3: better There, other, there, have, to, a bit more there in... have to have been some good looking films sure. and I don't I don't oh, there remember.
2: were there were. It was what, called what uh, were they Florida they Proj- are... Florida Project and Call Me by Your Name. Uh, Killing like, of yeah.
1: a Sacred Deer, also uh, quite a very interesting looking film. Oh
2: yeah, sure. Good times. I, I
3: still feel Call Me good by time. Your Name good wasn't, time wasn't that good great. T- fuck that film. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Jack doesn't like anything apparently. <laughs> I'm a terribly bitchy, horrible person. It's like Florida
1: Project in not
3: Florida Project was good. Um,
2: it looked good. All right, great. guys. Uh, once again, it, the point
1: project. here is is to distinguish <laughs> whether a film looked excellent, whether it was it was shot excellently, not whether the content of yeah, said okay. film well, was worth the shit. What I will say,
2: <laughs> what I will say, is Dunkirk had some images that have stuck with me as just purely uh, pretty images, like the the floating in the sky I mean when I say images I mean that one uh, the the Hardy on his descent uh, has really stuck in my head and I would give it to it on purely that against the sunset which is probably like a very like you know uh, Days of Heaven God, uh, you know Magic Hour I hate to, I hate
3: thing, to admit it but Dunkirk is actually probably the best category uh, yeah. the,
1: what do we think is going to win uh, probably, probably I think probably uh, oh, good question you think? Has Deacons won before? No, no, that's the that's the dark. No, thing. no.
3: so I, he, this is
2: like his fourteen. I have generation. a far,
3: I have a horrible feeling Deacons is going to get it because he's like the most self-consciously like I cinematographically <laughs> fucked myself to make this film. You <laughs> yeah, will reward might. me, and I feel like there's that element to it. But honestly. Of the three I feel Because Shape of Water I acknowledge I couldn't even look At the film for it Because it was A terrible film Um, I just I don't think It would look good Look good anyway Dunkirk is the best, honestly, of what I've seen. I haven't seen Mudbound. And Darkstower looks like it was shot in a bunker, which is not the uh, best. Darkest Hour has
1: is a well shot. I think that, honestly, uh, uh, okay. Delbonel, Hoidema or Deacons would all be fine choices in my mind. Uh, I tend to think that Dunkirk is going to dominate these sort of technical categories. So that would be I my think- pick. I think yeah.
4: um, I'm guessing Deacons, but I also think that we might be looking at like a technical sweep for The Shape of Water. So I also wouldn't be surprised if Laust had took this.
1: That's disgusting.
3: I'm going to hold you responsible, Eric, if Shape of Water wins anything. Because I, I literally could. <laughs> Yeah, cuz I couldn't like I mean I couldn't look at that film. I just couldn't. <laughs> do Guys, I
5: think we I ended up, I think we're missing missing history up... in this category. Mudbound is the first film nominated that went straight to <laughs> Netflix.
0: <laughs> it's a is
3: I mean she's the first woman who's ever been nominated, which is ridiculous in a, in and of itself. I but um I have I, I I shamefully admit I haven't seen Mudbound
2: mm. so I, I
1: for all I know could be really much. No, no, no.
2: I tried I, I I couldn't get into it and maybe I will one day. Uh, I I'm going to go ahead to it, but and it say, look
1: me. go ahead and give it a pass. But uh, maybe. I- Go ahead and give Rachel Morrison the award. Why not? This whole category is filled with shit, so give it to the woman. Be great. Yeah. <laughs> just progressive, progressive the move. progressive,
3: stances to give it, give it to the woman because everyone else is
1: terrible. That's all terrible. But let's just do the right thing, guys.
3: We are all terrible people, and we have failed. It's what that is. Well, that,
1: me. I think we've learned that lesson from uh, old McDonough. So. We're going to move on to best original screenplay, where McDonough is 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 once again oh, up for man. a huge award and probably a lock to win it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Get
3: Out is the only. That's legitimate in my feeling candidate. exactly, Jack. Okay, just okay. Anyone who disagrees with me proclaiming Get Out as the only legitimate winner of this award, speak oh, yeah. your piece now. Well, did you see? Did you see let's, the let Let's six? let Adam uh, read the
1: nominees. Jack? <laughs> I'm going to read the Abenys.
4: No, guys. let's the, the don't let are. him.
3: Don't let him read shit. Anyone who disagrees <laughs>
5: with Ken out. This is going Speak off now. The
1: <laughs> you know, I'm all right with this because the only film we have not already acknowledged is the big sick, which does not deserve acknowledgement, and true. thereby, you know, Jack's proclamation is correct. I suppose that Lady Bird is also an entirely valid answer, if slightly inferior in the writing front. Yeah. But other than that, the the other three films. Can go directly to the trash can. Uh.
3: Yeah, it's get out. It one hundred percent. As we discussed in the previous episode, uh, Jordan Peele. It's a brilliantly written script. It's no fat, no excess, no waste. It's one hundred percent a great script that cuts to the core of its subject.
2: That's a winner. It will. I, here's the real question: I I Is it going that. to win? Does anyone yeah, believe that Get Out yeah, will actually no, win? Really win. <laughs> Shape of Water. Th- no, no, no. Mc, McDonald's. No, no, no. I, I, I think, feel. I think I so think, too. I, I
5: think, think Get I, Out has a good chance here. I genuinely I do.
2: Think, oh, it's like a like a, as a charity <laughs> thing.
5: No, as a as a good fucking
2: screenplay thing. Okay. Okay. I I no, I I, 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 I don't know. I'm, Jake,
3: I, I know. wish for I I wish to subscribe to your positive world view. <laughs> Here's the thing, as the
5: guy who one time had a positive reaction to a movie a few months ago, <laughs> I will I will say the only chances that I think three billboards has good odds are are picture and performances. I don't think anything else is not only not deserving, but I think it's outshone by superior products. That's I where yes, I
4: stand.
1: Uh, I'm sort of possible
4: i'm with um i'm kind of on the side that i'm 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 place i'm putting my bet on three billboards. i think get out has does have a strong chance, but I think McDonough's gonna win unfortunately.
1: I think you guys are way more optimistic about Get Out, even though it was my favorite film. Uh, I do not think it's going to win anything, and I feel like even in these no. marginal categories, that Lady Bird, having come out later, just has far more momentum than oh, Get Out. God does. damn it! I'm sorry. Again, again, <laughs> what is that? He's got Jake. <laughs> is everyone stealing cars in your neighborhood? <laughs> What's happening? No, it
5: feels if
3: this
1: must be his own bar. car. <laughs> <It's>... Um. <laughs> So, anyhow, we are moving on uh, to, not that we even read the nominees, but that's all right. We are moving on to Best Adapted Screenplay, uh, where we have uh, James Ivory for Call Me By Your Name, uh, Scott Neustadter, and Michael H. Weber for The
2: Disaster Artist, That was... Oh, my God. Remember when people were talking about The
4: Disaster <laughs> Artist as an award
3: uh, movie? My, my <laughs> comment? Fuck that movie. That movie is as so a, As a it's huge so The Room fan, fuck The Disaster that, Artist. I hate that's it. That's correct.
1: It's a terrible, terrible film. Um, Scott oh Frank and James Mangled. <laughs> uh, Scott Frank, James Mangold, and Michael Green for Logan, Another, uh, another, well, last. also known
2: as a Ozu movie.
1: Uh, Aaron Sorkin for Molly's Game. That that would certainly win for Most yeah, the m- uh, longest adapted <laughs> screenplay. Um, <laughs> and Virgil Williams and Dee Reese for Mudbound. Uh, any thoughts here? Isn't Aaron Sorkin some kind of asshole who knows you to
3: pay, pay attention to? Yes, that, that's, that's correct. He's the feeling I he's, have. He's
2: a, yeah, he, he's like a cokehead uh, misogynist. Who, he's like uh, is, David like,
3: Mammoth without the teeth. Well, he... Yeah. And that's funny because David Mammoth is like a comedy version of David Mammoth.
2: So, he's like David Mannish. Uh,
5: with this with this category, <laughs> I think will win and should win is the same for me, which is call me by your name. Like, yep, I, I'm... I
3: would really, yeah. I would really hope so. And and the weird thing is, as as a trivia point, it's that James Ivory, he is the second oldest Academy nominee ever. Yeah. The only older old person is, them is Agnes Varna Varda who's been nominated for uh, Faces Places this year as well for um Faces Places and she's like nine days older than James Ivory. But um oh, wow. Yeah, which which is weird. They're both setting records. And I don't Ivory of
2: of, of Ivory Merchant.
3: Yeah yeah James uh, Ivory, ivory. Of, of Merchant Ivory is uh he wrote oh, sorry, Call yeah. Me by Your Name and um he's eighty Nine years old but nine days younger than Anya's Barda. So um Oh
2: man, so wait, wait, wait. What you're saying is next year, when Clinius Wood is eighty eight <laughs> and nominated for fifteen seventeen to Paris, he's not going to break that record. That's a shame.
3: That, that would be a shame. But honestly I couldn't I couldn't hold a grudge against him. Like like James Ivory has done wonderful stuff. Call me by your name, I have reservations, but it's a nice movie. I couldn't hold grudges against it on this.
1: I would agree, since it's really the only movie I found remotely uh, interesting of this bunch. I mean, I, I, I have a, a sneaking suspicion that the disaster artist may be involved in this decision. No. No, no, no,
3: no, I. Fu- oh God, I hope not. No, I and uh, honestly, Adam, I don't. You're not wrong. <laughs> I think it has garnered enough response that I think people will. I hate that movie so much because I'm a long time, to- I'm a years long fan of The Room, and that film conflates so many things. It just it and it treats Tommy Wiseau, who's a terrible person, incidentally, but it treats him like garbage in a terrible way, and piggybacks off what he did to set itself up. I just the the, the disaster artist just it's a really it's not a bad film to sit through but it's a really poisonous film when you think about it it really conflates so many ideas of idealism and creativeness set against uh, being kind of an entrenched stubborn weirdo who happens to have several million dollars in your bank account which is what Tommy Wiseau actually is Um, The Room is such a weird perfectly odd terrible film which I love and i genuinely love not with a hint of irony i think the room is such an an unusually strange beautiful film because it takes all the rules of cinema and brings them in and then breaks them all so elegantly it's such a strange film uh, um and the disaster artist is such a boring mainstream safe yeah kind of kind of uh distillation of the weirdness of the beautiful stupidity of the room um, I hate that movie I think it's such a dreadful movie because it touches on the awfulness of Tommy Wiseau as a person and I think Tommy Wiseau is a terrible person I really do think that and <laughs> like realistically well, I mean you
2: don't you don't have to you don't have to like the room to no no think that the disaster is is garbage which I am uh, you know case point for
3: with. for sure but Tommy Wiseau made this beautifully bizarre film. The Room is this beautifully fucked up film and it really is. It breaks all the rules of cinema in this beautiful elegant way that for the longest time and I've been a fan of The Room for years now for the longest time until more information came into play I always thought Tommy was it was like an Andy Kaufman performance artist. Like it was so perfectly broken I felt like he had to have been an inside it had to be an inside job you know that he was like he was inside and he knew how to make a movie and he broke it purposefully and then later on it turned out like no this is just this is genuinely just a beautiful coincidence Um, that, that came to me the, uh, the Disaster Artist is such a shitty film and James <laughs> Franco treated Tommy Wiseau and Tommy Wiseau is such a shitty person James Franco treated him so shittily as a shitty person James Franco is the shittiest person I can think of and I, I, and I mean that with 100% honesty when the Golden Globes where James Franco won Best Actor and he called Time's up, up. Yeah, when he called up Tommy Wiseau and Tommy Wiseau came up as this fuck-up outsider and tried to say something and, Tommy was, and James Frank was like, no, don't talk. This is my award. I just want you here as my weird prop because I'm so weird. It's like, fuck him and fuck the whole film. It's stupid. This is
1: true. And we also have an episode discussing the disaster artist at length, uh... I wasn't on that episode. uh, Yeah, uh, you're fine. You're fine. I'm just letting the people know. They want to hear more people's thoughts on disaster artists. Uh, They can go back
2: into the archives
1: and they'll find it.
2: We also had a whole episode on Logan.
1: Uh, I don't know that we... Did we? I don't think we ever discussed any of us skipping the
3: skip. fucking movie. I was
2: just trying to skip over okay. that.
3: So it's like Ozu oh. with, with but with adamantium blades cutting flesh because that's what Ozu really wanted to do in his movies. <laughs> I
1: will say one last thing about The Disaster Artist and that is as an adaptation it is a particular failure because it is a very excellent book about the making of the room that they that it they is. adapted into shit. The book is shit. super
3: enjoyable. Uh, yeah, the book is super enjoyable. Highly recommend that. I think that uh, I have to check that out. Yeah, I think Greg Sestero, who played uh, uh, I can't remember his name in the in the movie, but Greg Sestero played like the just best call him Dave Franco in the movie. <laughs> <laughs> Dave Franco, James Franco's brother in the movie, uh, he <laughs> he really he does have a love for Tommy Wiseau, and I think Tommy Wiseau is kind of like he's a he's a problematic character as a real person, but the but the book really Greg Sestero living with Tommy Wiseau really captures the problematic relationship, and he has a love and an and an affection for Tommy Wiseau. The film never captures that. 100%. So I think the book. All right. Read the read book. Read the book.
1: Uh, bad adaptation. No, it is my pick to win. Uh, moving on. You think we're wrapping up, but we're not. We're, we're back into these categories where we get to go film by film, guys. Uh, let's, let's move on to best documentary feature. Uh, where we will begin with.
3: Oh, shit. We have opinions on this. Exactly.
1: We, we will begin with Abacus Small Enough to Jail. Uh, it's
2: good. It is. Huh? <laughs> Moving on. Oh, wait, wait, wait. Who said that? Was that Who do, who that do, was you, who do you think said it, Sean? <laughs> Stop and think oh, that. you're just going it's Sean. Sean.
5: Who are you? wait, a wait, fucking is Eric the Chatterbox is or are are?
2: Jack the Quiet
5: Guy? <laughs> Did you no, see I it, I didn't Jay? see anything in the documentaries. So I'm sorry to say um, that.
2: Um, okay, so Abacus, uh, Small Enough to Jail, which is directed by Steve James, director of Hoop Dreams. Check out our Yasni on that. Yeah, check out Me and Jack's Yazney on that. One of the best American movies ever made. I thought you were going to say um, one of the best yesneys. Uh One of the best Yazneys ever <laughs> <laughs> made. Um, <laughs> Sean, Abacus have is you about, been um, drinking? <laughs> <laughs> it's <I> mean, infectious <laughs> comedy here. Uh, <clears throat> and uh, anyway, um, it, it's about this community bank in Chinatown uh, run by a Chinese family, uh, a family of Chinese immigrants. And um, they do a public service for their community, which is give them uh, access to uh, loans and other financial products. They're they're a bank for the uh, New York Chinatown community. Yeah, uh, but uh, what this film sort of like colors in is that uh, this is a community of people that uh, can't really have access to. Financial products outside of a bank like this, and that's no. exactly why this guy who started the bank start started it uh, to to fill this this void. And um, they were targeted after the 08 uh, um, financial crisis uh, on very like uh, semantic terms, I guess you could say, um, fine print as like doing things against the the law, but really it was just like a couple bad apples. Yeah, um, and it didn't it didn't go up the chain and uh, they were unfairly targeted as such well, the, uh, the
3: question of the film I guess is that um, if, if I were to encapsulate is that the 2008 financial crisis was precipitated by various huge international banks wantonly engaging in illegal activity basically hiding risky behavior selling it as non-risky to maximize profits for themselves the only bank that ever faced charges in the United States was Abacus, which is the two thousand one hundred sixtieth largest bank in the United States, which is a family-owned bank that services only the Chinatown community.
1: Ah, uh, this movie, yeah, I, guys, I try not to watch documentaries a lot of times because they, because <laughs> yeah, depressing. they make my heart hurt and and you know I was kind of glad I watched the first two and then I watched this and I was like what the fucking hell man? this is fucking like I, I just it, it made me really sick to my stomach it, it's a it's a it's bad it's a sick fucking thing that they, they tried to pull off their- <laughs> it's
3: yeah it's it's a good movie because I think it, it it does capture the specific cultural divide between Chinese and if America is a nation of laws and of legalese the Chinese community that have moved into America and China, Chinese immigrants have been have been honestly specifically very poorly treated by America uh, historically, and a certain element of that is because China works in this kind of oral tradition of trust and of of sort of a setup of like you know you scratch my back I'll scratch yours sort of setup, and America is a, a nation of laws, a nation of of legal framework and China just Chinese immigrants don't work like that they don't, they lend money to each other on the proviso of like you should pay this back unless you can't and if you can't, well then we'll work something else out which isn't a legal proposal at all and uh, that's how this bank came into place, it was the Chinese American immigrants who put this bank in place and went like we 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 have a first-hand understanding of how Chinese people work. We will help Chinese people to immig- to, to integrate with America through helping them to integrate their financial proce- processes with American processes, and that's what they did. But then they had a couple of agents within the company who made, Ill- frankly, illegal decisions, um, to do this. Um, The question at the center of the documentary, which is never really clarified, is... Did the upper management of the bank know that these illegal things were going on? Uh, Abacus was another bank of many where illegal decisions were going on. But the the point of it is is that everyone knows Goldman Sachs and other absolute high-level banks were absolutely flagrantly breaking the law but no one charged them with anything because if they failed if people had a problem with them working the whole financial system of America would break down if people withdrew their money from Goldman Sachs that would cause America as an economic institution to collapse it would cause massive infrastructural breakdown so instead the New York district attorney press charges against the 2160th largest bank in America, a family-owned Chinese-American agency. Yeah. And I think that's fascinating. It's uh, essentially a film film
1: about New York City of all fucking places, the, like, signpost (laughs) of the financial decay of our country, like, attempting to (laughs) scapegoat a marginalized community for the sins of the richest people of the entire country. Yeah. It's gross I I think
3: it's a fascinating... Yeah, I think it's a fascinating film because it does highlight issues of integration into the American system and the integration of the Chinese Americans into America and specifically the history of Chinese people who have been largely spurned by America. The, the, The Chinese people have... I mean, America's anti-opium laws, etc., have largely... They've largely <laughs> been formulated specifically... This is not
2: a product of no, the documentary. No, they've specifically
3: but. been designed to fuck over Chinese-American people. And even, yeah. they're not the same country. The Japanese were specifically, like sidelined down into concentration camps in america in the 1940s in the war like asian americans have always been given a short end of the stick they've never integrated properly culturally there's always been this gap between them and what is understood to be truly you know quote-unquote american this film does touch on those things i think it lacks a killer hook and I think yeah. part and I think part of that is because honestly, this is a documentary that literally takes a point of who do you support, the government or a bank, which are like two of the worst things everyone could right. imagine. Um, but it is a fascinating but, but, documentary. Uh, but, I
2: mean commun com- community banks are not the same as big banks and <laughs> Sean uh, says the man who works <laughs> for a credit union. <laughs> no, I don't work I like I hate. You I work, work for a credit the, union
3: okay. system, Sean. But yeah, no, I yeah. take your point. But <laughs> I, yes. I, I,
2: yeah, I mean, but uh, yes, I work in the financial institution or financial services institution or industry, uh, but we are anti-bank. But uh, even I know that community banks are different. Uh, that you know, it's it's often a couple, you know, different pieces of paper you know that makes them different or you know obviously it's ownership that makes them different from credit union but yeah. but they they often uh, strive to offer the same type of products and services to the community that uh, credit unions do and this is obviously one of them um, and, and I mean there are millions of them but um but it, it's, it's it's an important document because it gives us an insight in, you know, it's not just saying like, hey, I'm going to tell you something about uh, the difficulty of immigration or, or pop, uh, populations that, that have immigrated. But it, it's sort of like uh, going from the inside out. Um, yeah, we should. Anyway, that's enough. Yeah, we should get yeah, yeah, moving on. I, right?
3: I will agree. Yeah, no, sure. I will say straight up, I think i think this is the i think uh, for the oscars in 2018 the best documentary category is maybe their strongest field of films abacus is it maybe is may, maybe the weakest film of the nominees and it's still a damn good film of the three i've seen if that's saying something three i've seen yeah it would, it would so. a third
1: for me as well but um i'm gonna introduce the next one i gotta step away for just a second so i'm sure you guys can fill fucking time uh <laughs> We're gonna faces, talk about faces. I, 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 w- I have not seen this one. I love so this, this
2: is film. The, this is the one. This is the one that I um, have. I, I have not seen this, but I did go to see it. <laughs> uh, but I, I, you I slept through it, didn't you? Uh, well, it was it was like a three fifty uh, p.m. showtime, and I was sick, and I had had a few beers, and it was in this tiny annex, and it was just, just like a recipe for falling asleep to a movie, and I did.
3: I love this film, um, and, and I'm a I'm a long time fan of Anyas Varda's cinema. Uh, Anyas Varda is to me genuine one of the the last living remnants of like the golden era of cinema. And I mean that's maybe a little bit you know kind of like oh you know ooh the past was better. But Anyas Varda is such a a beautiful vibrant cinematic entity and Varda has made so many just wonderful films she's just and and part of it is that she's she's imprinted her perspective on the world on her cinema Uh, to the point where honestly I live in Chicago now the first time I ever visited Chicago was to go and see Varda in person at a showing of her documentary The Beaches of of Varda or The Beaches of Agnes I guess is what it's called um, which is a film about herself and her, her filmmaking and it's a wonderful film and she showed up afterwards to answer questions and she was ill and she cut the, the talk short oh boy. yeah she she cut the talk short but it was just so to sit in a room and have Anya's Varda there I was just so starstruck and I'm not like I'm not a person who's really enamored with the nuts and bolts of filmmaking but Varda to me is such a just an, an uh, uh, kind of Alchemical character of cinema. She is like Werner. Yeah, I, I, I
2: think you said the last time you were that starstruck was uh, Paul Haggis. You're oh there, God, the, he's the
3: he's so good, and he's totally he's on he's on the upper <laughs> tiers of Scientology.
2: <laughs> but, but Eric yeah, and no. Jake. Eric did, and Jake, did you guys see this movie? Uh, uh,
5: no, again, I have not seen any of the documentary nominees. I'm so sorry to say. Okay. Yeah.
4: Oh, yeah.
2: And, but but um, I am making a list.
4: I saw this. <laughs> Checking it twice. <laughs> um, I saw this back in. I saw this back in December. Oh wow! Um, here in New York, and I just loved it. I'd never seen. It's like, like I, I'm not a, I'm not a big documentary aficionado, but. Um, I watched this and I was just like, it's like Michael Moore, but like toned way the fuck down. If Michael
3: Moore like, wasn't an asshole, perhaps
4: exactly. And it's just like if Michael Moore was just this like very nice old lady and this cool thirty-something dude <laughs> who just like wants to hang out with her. Like that's what Faces Places is, his. and it's like, and and if like, and, and it's it's such a wonderful film. And it's just like it's just so genuinely curious and generous towards the people that. Agnes Varda and uh, JR are interviewing and who make these portraits of and everything and they're just like it. it, it it's not like self-aggrandizing it's not like talking to these people to be like good back-patting progressives they're not talking to like these working class French folks to like yeah you know score points or anything it's just like they're just genuinely curious and it's just like what if we just drove around and we talked to people and then we made like these big we just printed out their faces and put them up on these spaces like yeah kind of nice and like we just talked to them for a little bit and it's like it's just it's 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 great it's it's just it's it's like it's probably the most entertaining and just just enjoyable documentaries. Yeah, that I've for, ever for sure.
3: Seen. I th- I think there's an issue in the best documentary, and again, I reiterate that I think the Academy's choices for best documentary are maybe their strongest. I think all five they could of- be stronger. Yeah, I, sh- I should say all five of these I think are great films. Faces Places stands out from them because Faces Places is the least. Current Affairsy Newsy one. It's 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 a film about local history, about oral history about remembering the past about kind of contextualizing the past into the present it's a film about Agnes varda as an 89 year old woman who's in some way ruminating about her mortality and jor is a much younger visual artist who's in his 30s who basically never takes off his sunglasses uh talking about how you know they they basically take photos of regular people in the french countryside and french city you know kind of towns they visit and they put up these large scale visual um kind of installations of these people, and they they prompt conversations about what constitutes a community about what the 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 stories that define a community and it's this really interesting dialectic, but at the same time, this is a conversation you know within a context of films that are about like race killings in America and war in Syria. He's like these really, you know, kind of immediately dangerous, kind of pithy contemporary topics. J. and Varda's topic feels almost playful and jokey. And it's worth mo- noting at this point that Agnes Varda is now with this nomination and she won an honorary documentary back last year for her a, a kind of a lifetime achievement do- uh, Oscar and um, this Oscar nomination for a documentary makes her the oh. oldest ever uh, Academy nominee in history for, at 89 years of age. She is uh, 8 days older I believe than James Ivory who was also nominated well, this year <coughs> Until for, we get
2: and, and until we get 1518 to Paris and that'll <laughs> that'll settle that. Yeah, yeah,
3: if it maybe next year Clint Eastwood will be will be drafted in, but at this point uh, Agnes Varda, at 89 years of age, is the oldest ever Oscar nominee in history. And she beats James Ivory for Call Me By Your Name for the best original screenplay, or best adapted screenplay, sorry. Um, she beats him by like eight years. Um, or it's, eight days, eight sorry. Eight days, yeah. Eight yeah, yeah. days. But, uh, like, it's two super old people. Um and that's, Varda, a, that's, a,
2: that's a Beatles Week. It
3: is. It's it's a weird thing. Honestly. But um <laughs> but but that I, I like I think it's it's a difficult discussion for me to have because I loved Faces Places. I think it's such a warm human um discussion of how humans organize as a collective as Which a is community. interesting because...
2: Well, I, I I've seen, I, you know, I haven't seen the movie, or I've seen bookends of it, but like I've seen a lot of dissent about it. I've seen a lot of people that complain about it. Uh, that, what that they complaining like about that, you know, I've, I've seen people complain that that it's just about uh, that that people like it because it's about cinema. That it, you know, it's valorizing a cinematic figure. Those, those people, people about,
3: Sean. Those people are, are idiots. <laughs>
2: Just... I've seen people. I've seen people uh, talk about how Jr. is insufferable. Which I mean, that even, I can totally uh, Chelsea, agree even, with. Even I'm... Chelsea Carr, I think Chelsea Carr gave it like four out of four and a half out of five stars and said Jr. is hot, but he sucks. So I mean, like obviously, that's I not I like have part no problem.
3: I have no problem with Jr. But JR, Jr. is very much this. He's the technical element to this film. Um, sure, sure, sure. And Varda is the human element. Um. What really strikes me about the film is it is a it is a discussion about the construction of community and the the construction of an an oral history. But
2: JR is a hipster. And he I just is. Can't he get wears, past that. He wears sunglasses. I just can't get past that. Jack, he wears so sunglasses it sucks all the I, time. I walked out.
3: Yeah, he wears sunglasses all the time. And uh, Jean-Luc Godard does. And Jean-Luc Godard stands up Agnes Varda in the film. Which is a really, yeah, which is. I did wake up for that. Yeah, which is the difficult part because I mean, honestly, I love yeah. Jean-Luc Goddard's cinema, but there's no I denying, like, there's ah. no denying he's there's no denying he's a complete <laughs> asshole as a real human being, and this film pretty much just lays it on the line that Jean-Luc Godard is a complete asshole. But, um, like for me, Face to Place I think is a wonderful film, but it's difficult to stack it up against other documentary categories that are much more immediately. Involved in politics and sociological elements, um, Faces Places is much more of an artistic eye on human uh, evolution and human kind of the, the the elements of social construction. Whereas Strong Island or Icarus or particularly Last Men in Aleppo are films that are very much immediately about human existence in the in the immediate in the now. Oh, I, I think so, you would maybe yeah. giving
2: Icarus too much credit. I, I think Icarus, Icarus is very fun, but it, it, it's just like it's one of those documentaries where, I mean, one this isn't a slight, um, but it is about somebody who fell into a subject. It is, and and and, and it's it, it's like set up like a heist almost, and it's just <laughs> begging for a it's begging for a <laughs> fictional. Uh, film. I, I must,
3: I must admit, Icarus. I had, not uh, and you guys know, I had no interest in watching Icarus. I really, I dismissed it. I don't care about sports and doping, etc. And it was you and Adam watched it, and you both said, "Hey, this is kind of fun." So I had a bit of free time. And I was like, "Fuck it, I'll just watch Icarus. Why not?" And I was, I was sucked in because it, it is a film about a guy who it's, it starts off as like super sized me but with anabolic steroids. Um, uh-huh. Which I think has already been made with bigger, stronger, faster, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. I think that, I haven't Who seen it. But it's al- Who could yeah, care? It's already a film with the guy who's just like, I'll do steroids just to see what they're like. And I don't give a shit about that.
2: <laughs> it's like, I got a check to do this.
3: Yeah. So so Icarus starts is that. It's like um, Brian Fogel, who's the director of the film, is like, I'm an, an avowed av- amateur cyclist. Um, I participate in insane amateur cyclist events that are like the Tour de France but without the money. And um, but you know what would I do if I were to do it on steroids and see if I could avoid drug detection? And that's like the the setup of the film. It's like oh that's kind of fun, but I don't really care. But then the film, as as you guys know, trips into an international conspiracy and turns into like this ginormous vision of Russia has basically fucking over the entire good faith economics of the Olympics by going like, yeah, we've had yeah. a state-run drug-fueled uh, program for right. uh, three decades now, um, so what are you going to do about that?
1: What did you think about uh, it? I was- yeah, I think it's... I kind of like these happy accident documentaries because I really didn't know where this was headed at all going in. I, I thought it was what it advertised itself as, which was this guy doping and seeing what the consequences of that would be and even when it, it sort of blew through that storyline I assumed it was going to be about him escalating that <laughs> to some absurd extent and then mm-hmm. it wasn't uh, and the, the the thing about it is they happened onto this uh, Gregory Rodchenkov character who is ridiculously charming was yeah, hilarious. He's, he's so charming and,
3: uh, <laughs> he is I, yeah, an absolutely
1: fascinating subject for a documentary, and, and this thing is a little overproduced. It's a little too cool for school, but uh, uh-huh. um, I think they, there maybe is even a better movie <laughs> in here because I think that there's things it, it kind of brushes by. Uh, the and one fails that Soderbergh makes in a couple of years, yeah, like it's it's a movie that it it touches briefly on the doping as a whole as but it eventually vilifies russia even though some of the text says otherwise with the with the us wada official basically saying yeah, yeah. everyone is fucking cheating and they know how to beat the tests but now it's uh, i
3: do i do feel there there's another film that america's olympic team that will be released in like 2025 yeah
1: it's it's really I mean, Putin. Putin you makes for a, a fantastic, villainous, uh, conspiratorial character, and it, it's not inaccurate. It's not uh, misleading as to the the facts of the case. But in reality, I I think it's it's awfully pat to to paint the russians as the only country doing this sort
2: of thing and <laughs> right like the nba <laughs> like yeah, the NFL literally NBA. every
3: every sport. so often every so often it cuts to him is it marion davies was the um the american athlete the track and field athlete i feel it cuts to her because i know she was caught doping and she was she lost several medals every so i'm like it cuts to her as like the like, it almost is like, yeah, remember okay. Marion Davies? And then it doesn't ask any further questions. Like, you cannot imagine that a country as rich and prosperous as the United States hasn't thought of doing uh, yeah, that. Yeah, they might
1: not have, like, a state-sponsored program for it, but certainly there's a level right. at which the athletes beat that. And certainly the real nature yeah. of the questions that... <laughs> Kobe was going to Germany yeah, in the summer. Yeah, I think the, the, summer. the, the it, true like, nature of the yeah. questions that need to be asked about this sort of thing are why do we fucking care? Like, it's not polluting the purity of the sport because everyone's fucking doing it. It isn't even playing field That is my main...
3: Yeah, that's that's my takeaway. And, I mean, it's something that's been coming for a long time. It's like, why don't we just have the Olympics for doping? Because, honestly, it's still people... It's not like Lance Armstrong wasn't an incredible athlete to do what he did, even though he was absolutely doping the shit out of it. Um... Why don't we have an Olympics for like what's the greatest that humanity can do with chemical assistance? Why don't we yes, have it We
1: do. They just lie about it. You know. It's but yeah. That's the that's thing it. is they could strip Lance Armstrong of all these uh, titles. But what do you think the guys standing behind him on the? It is a lot better. <laughs> it is a lot better than the Armstrong lie. Yeah, the guys standing that. behind him on the podium are just as guilty, and we're fooling ourselves if not otherwise. But. but Putting that aside, yeah. and this movie does not disregard that. It's just not the subject of the film, which it, it doesn't need to be. Sure. Uh, the subject of the film is plenty compelling. The
2: guy's obviously not a filmmaker, like yeah. by trade. Uh, he's he made a good movie, and it's very flashy. But he he's obviously not like a luminary. In, he is a filmmaker. It, I just don't is, think he's uh, a documentary. It is an amazing.
3: Yeah, yeah. yeah. it is an amazing film, and that like it ends with the main character of the film ending up in witness protection. real which is not a normal trajectory for a story that like literally the dude ends up is like Russia may try and assassinate me I need to go into FBI witness protection that's a crazy Narrative, and they are so blessed to have found that narrative. Yeah,
1: this you
3: know within within the United States, that is like the U.S. has so many shady deals <laughs> and stuff going on. But like it, it uh, like as much as I hate it, it, almost it almost plays into like the the Hillary Clinton Russian bullshit that's going on right. Twitter right now about like you know oh Russia does anything that's bad about the US is actually Russia doing like compromat <laughs> it's like yeah. no no kinda, that's I, not I it I kind of felt
2: the same way yeah
3: it's, it's almost right, like it's well, diluted by the stupidity of the internet but it is actually a really compelling yeah. story and I was won over because yeah. I was expecting nothing right. and it really it genuinely again, it's all
1: Rod he's this super charismatic character <laughs> who is, is certainly morally Dubious, but is himself quite upfront with the fact that his industry is morally dubious, and he's doing what everyone is yeah. doing. And he doesn't come across as some <laughs> mustache-twirling villain. He's a, he's a relatable guy. He seems like a, no. a good man, and he
3: yeah he he's he's an expert who knows what he's doing. Right, Yeah, he's a he's hyper and, and, and the sport is. Yeah, the whole industry is winning gold medals. That's the industry. He knows what he's doing. Yeah. Everything that's kind of else what I between, liked about the
2: movie, that's kind of what I liked about the the way the movie played out it is like I was like originally like kind of like why, why are we supposed to like him? Like he obviously is like a like, you know, keen on on what he's doing. And then it kind of like evolves into being like, oh, he's part of like this grander scheme where if he were to do anything, he would just Yeah, and die. He, you see yeah.
1: this this really Affable character, like ripped apart. You know, he'll he'll might never see his family again, uh, and this uh, his only contact oh, yeah. in America yeah, no, with this friend he's made, he's not, yeah, he's it's, gone.
3: It's crazy because, it, like, there's this reminiscence of, like, from a film fan perspective, like Tarkovsky, who was like. Who literally left the USSR and was like separate, completely cleaved from his family because of this political divide. And this is many years on when the USSR has dissolved and Russia is like nominally a democratic state participating in world politics as every other state does. And this guy is still cleaved from that and moved to the United States as part of this divide over it. It's a really fascinating thing because it does. It the film doesn't have the answers, but like you have to watch it and wonder, shit. If this is what Russia came up with, what did the U.S. come up with? Right.
1: Yeah. It's almost as if uh, communism wasn't the problem in Russia. to the thunk it? <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. H- Hyper capitalism. Yeah. Let's let's we, move we on to it. Last Men in Aleppo, which I believe is a Jack exclusive. So how about it?
3: <laughs> Did, am, I, am I really the only person I think so. this? I, I've
1: vaguely I, attempted today, but I was okay. just not in in the right in the right frame of mind.
2: <laughs> I, I give us a, give, give us a, a brief drive by. Okay, so so Last
3: Man Aleppo is the first Syrian film to ever be nominated for an Oscar, which is notable nomin- you know notable in and of itself. It's a Syrian Danish co-production. Um. It is a film, and and in a way, as I talked about with Faces Places, it's difficult to categorize things. Last Man in Aleppo is truly the most immediate, important film of all five of the nominees. It deals with the Syrian civil defense, who are basically also known as the White Helmets, who were the subject, actually, of a documentary short that was nominated last year. Uh, I think that was just called The White Helmets. Um, yeah. It deals with the the Syrian Defence Force, who basically are the first men seen in Aleppo, um, which is right now in the Syrian Civil War is a, a what you say a barricaded city. It's it's kind of cut off from the, the rest of Syria and is under barrage from the government forces um, under Bashar, and the the Syrian president, under Russian support. And he is daily bombing the city. So we have these uh, bombs that are coming in every single day into the city. And these guys, basically, their job is to show up to these bombings and dig survivors out of the rubble. It's a horrific film. It is such a difficult film to watch. I watched it just a few days ago for the first time. I'm, I've watched all manner of stupid shit in my time as a film viewer. I've watched every <laughs> stupid exploitation bullshit, like, difficult film. You watch th-
2: You watch things like Three Billboards.
3: <laughs> exactly. You know, I've watched oh, every stupid, like, just like, <laughs> oh, I can't believe you put this on screen, <laughs> fucking idiot film. <laughs> this is a difficult film to watch because it is literally a film of men who have nothing to their name who have d- literally just a sense of community to their name digging dead children out of a rubble and the film it, the film avoids the goriest aspects of this but like i mean it fully engages with these men just dig dead children out of buildings and just like they they dig them out and go like this is a child he's dead they and the film focuses on like the father of the children uh, weirdly enough it seems the father survived, the women are at home, the women get digged out separately of these, these collapsed buildings. And it's just I mean it's footage of men crying uncontrollably over the fact that their entire families have been eradicated by government bombing um from um you know Bashar al-Assad's bombing. It's it's just it's such a mind numbing construct of a film it's so immediate there's one scene in this film where the cameraman they're attending where a car bomb went off a car is in flames and the civil defence force show up to to extinguish the flames of the car they never even clarify what happens but there's gunfire the cameraman runs into the middle of a field and ducks down you can hear his breathing his like just heavy breathing and there's just gunfire and he's the camera running the whole time he's ducking in a field while someone fires a fully automatic rifle over his head this is the reality of these men in between these these sequences of doing them the the men of the syrian civil defense force discuss their hopes and dreams and they're just like this is my home i will never leave aleppo because it's my home all they talk about is like we know we're gonna die we know we have no escape we we know this is we will all die it's a horrific film the end credits of the film end with a list of people who have appeared in the film who have died <laughs> since, oh the, since the film has completed shooting in the post you know in the post production phase of the film eight or more men who appeared in the film have died it's such like it's such an important film it's such an incredibly important film it's difficult to weigh the importance uh, the importance of like I mean I'm a huge fan of faces places I think it's a really great <laughs> film but like
2: shit yeah, like, what, I like exactly, our <laughs> how, how does this matter like strong island <laughs> which we'll matters. talk about legacies matter in Olympics. yeah
3: how do you discuss the importance of these things against men Dying. It's such a horrific film. I think it's just, and and it's worth noting in the mid in the midst of the film, the director of this film, whose name I do not have in front of me because I'm a terrible person, um, and I should find his name. He is not allowed to travel to the the Oscars because he's part of Donald Trump's no flaw list because uh, he's a part very of very
2: hardy in, uh, situation.
3: Yeah. So so it's like um this film is such a, th- this is a film that more than the other documentaries which are more investigative and what if and like asking social questions this is a film that is literally this is a film that is literally life or death Um, which is very rare there's not many films that are like this this is a film that's literally watching men risk their lives day in day out to try and visit basic humanities on people it's a v- Which is a great, great,
2: yeah, segue into Strong I Island. Yes, Strong <laughs> Island. Uh, I, I did see this one,
1: and it's yeah, me it's too. Heavy. Um, uh,
3: <laughs> it's heavy, but it's no the last well, like Aleppo Well, like I said, I attempted I to just, watch I
1: Last Men in Aleppo you know. today, and and I cut bait. I was like, I can't do this. <laughs>
3: okay I've just I've just started Faris Fayyad is the Syrian director who is not allowed to enter the United States to attend the Oscar ceremony to potentially collect an award for filming this film because literally solely because he is a citizen of
2: Syria well if we were using if we were using the logic of something like Strong Island we would say what has he done in his past ah Oh, well, to deserve this. He,
3: his, his crime is being born of a country that America has deemed quote-unquote uh, problematic.
2: So, so oh, Sean, that's an issue what is Strong t- Island? Um, <laughs> strong, strong Island is uh, a film made by Yance Ford uh, about his brother uh, passing away at the hands of uh, a brutal and immediate murder and and it's about um it's about the ford family um it's just about the 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 ford family just sort of like talking about their their grief and recounting everything that happened and and friends of this man that that died and it's just this very like intimate portrait it's it's more of a movie about a family than it is about this this man. It's it's kind of like the 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 man's uh, passing away is sort of this uh, precipitous event or the, that has reverberations yeah. that that the the film can explore. And it it uh, the way that Yancey, I think it's Yancey, um, introduces the film is about the family the family history and and it all adds up into the way that this sudden passing which has very racial implications the, the carrying out of which has very racial implications as far as how it was handled in the judicial system unsurprisingly um, but it, it's it's about the this family grieving and all in very um, separate ways that draws them apart from each other and that also has well I mean we're kind of like not exactly led to believe but it, it it might be implied that it's also had health implications on the older members of the family the the mother and the father um but uh i've seen this is another one where i've read a lot of comments of people saying that it didn't work for them because it was either too intimate which is a weird thing to say it's weird um and or or uh the close ups didn't work that was something that I, that was routinely that I saw also we also saw we we talked about this offline as something that uh this is a netflix thing and and uh I think people came to it whether that's netflix's marketing or or what as like sort of this this murder mystery which is uh bizarrely offensive but yeah. um but,
3: uh, uh but I, I, there I is a group <laughs> who seem to be like, I wanted a true crime documentary and this isn't one, so I hate it.
1: Yeah, it's
2: it. definitely not a true right. crime. And, documentary. and
3: but,
1: yeah, like, uh, yeah. no, not but, at all. But, but
2: I saw multiple people say that the close ups didn't work, which, um, I mean, to each their own, That's, but yeah, I insane. cannot understand that <laughs> because, no, because, because, like, I don't understand how you see, like, Yance Ford's face and. S- you don't understand that, like, like, it's such you see a how hardened he has become. Like, he's just like unflinchingly, like, sad. And it's like, you know, he, he cries when he has to deal with people on the phone about things, but like, it, it's just such a hardened face. Or when, yeah. when he's talking to, to people for interviews, friends of the family, and it's just like,
3: it's, it's such a it's such a difficult film and it's worth noting this is the first film in oscar history that's been nominated by a trans man director yance ford is a trans man um so, so that we have this element of, of a progressive element in this but it plays back into the film because it's it's constructing an african-american family in Long Island, New York, effectively, but it's it's. I mean, African American families generally are are somewhat conservative. Um, there's a an element of that to it. She became, you know, she she had his, st- originally, I think, a, a kind of a queer kind of a a, a realization, which transmuted Coming her out. to her realizing she was a man, effectively. Yance Ford, uh, you know, became a man. Um. All of this was bounced against her brother. She she and you know, he wanted to position this against her brother and find out, you know, he was the uh, he's the eldest brother, he's the oldest person in the family who wasn't a parent, which is a obviously a very pivot of a element in a family you know that we we all i think look to our our eldest siblings as kind of a totem of authority that's just like a notch below parents you know much more accepting than parents <laughs> are um but you know but still older than we are um and and yans ford looked to that for for approval but was never able to never able to to check his final situation, his final resolution of being actually like, I am a man. Um, I was born a girl, but I'm. I'm honestly, I'm a man. She, she was never able to bounce that bounce against her brother because her brother was lost to this honestly stupid conflagration and and that was the thing, I mean it was never tried as a a, a legal case because right. it was deemed as self defense which has a racial element to it sure. but there's an ambiguity within the film that the brother went to this place because they they trashed their car in an accident and said they'd fix it it was a body shop and they said like we'll fix your car and then they delayed and they stalled and they stalled and they stalled and there was a feeling like are you stalling because you know we're African American you know that we don't have a legal recourse like we'll always be deemed to be suspicious you know so her brother went there and he was threatening he was physically violent when he went there he, he pushed things out of the way and like threw a car door down etc And he did this to establish a a violence which then weighed against him when one of the people there, when he went there, shot him and murdered him in cold blood. And everyone looked at him and went, uh, well, you know, he went there previously and he was violent. Uh, You know, there's a total, you know, there's a legitimate expectation. He was violent. They defended themselves against him. Um, Where he really went in there and he was just shot. Yeah. you know, and then Yance Ford brings to that this concept that she worries that maybe her backing her up her, you know, being proud of her brother for standing his ground, maybe she's responsible for that. Maybe she, you know, she really backed him up when he went there the first time and asserted himself through physical domination of the space. Maybe if she hadn't done that, it maybe if she had questioned him, maybe oh. he wouldn't do it. Uh. you know but but that's you know that's that's the question of the film, and I think it it's strong Island to me is definitely it's it's a heartbreaking film and it, i and yeah. I really i question anyone who looks at it who isn't really genuinely pushed to question their own perceptions, yeah, of the I
2: mean like there's there's the scene where the mother is talking about her husband. And how grief was... Like, how they're all trying to navigate this grief. And how... He kept inching away from her. And he, like, confronts him... As a... As sort of just, like, a head-on confrontation of this thing. Because she can't live... She can't do this... Like, she can't be a part of a family and... And deal with this grief on her own. Like, it doesn't make sense to her. Um And she tells a story of the way that she was able to like confront that and it, it it, like you said it's one of those things where it's just like when you hear that story how do you not just understand what is going on yeah no, it's it's
3: it's a deeply troubling film because it is it's a like it's not a true crime documentary it's really an examination of the void left where a family member has been removed through violence and it's it's really examining how everything about the family and and, yance ford is a trans man but the mother the they're the family's mother as well it's like her son has just been removed he's gone and they don't know how to process nobody knows what to do yeah they don't yeah. know how to process this they don't know how to you know and it won't be tried because it's like well he's an aggressive African American and it's so you know someone shot him because he was threatening and it's like he was but was he threatening enough to really just shoot him and you know shoot him at a distance there's, and well, make it you know make it fine like there was no as they point out like there's no powder burns or, like it wasn't a close range shot Someone just shot him from a distance, you know. Like how you know? How do we determine where a real you know? Would this have worked if it was just a white guy? It's it's you know. It's not like yeah. It points they, fingers, they talk about, reasonable
2: fear, yeah, they talk about yeah. reasonable fear. Yeah, yeah. Reasonable fear as like I mean, it, it's 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 speak about vaguely, but reasonable fear as a thing that is racially coded as sure. As like, well, reasonable fear depends on who is. Who you're afraid of? Yeah, uh, and, but there's also an, an aspect um, about like how he was doing all this intense training to be a part of this program. I, I don't remember the it, the prison, was a program prison program, guard. He was he was going to be, be a prison guard, guard program, yeah. And and uh, he qualified <laughs> posthumously. And it's just like oh, geez, that. Uh, that was a heartbreaking. A, it's thing,
3: such yeah. a soul crushing film, and it, and and again for me, it it really just. I think really for me this this section is between as much as I love faces places as an artistic exercise, it is an artistic exercise. Um for me there's an immediacy to the last men in Aleppo and Strong Island. But how do right. you how do you gauge these films against each other? Because because last <laughs> don't
2: have contests. Yeah, because yeah,
3: exactly because like it's stupid to because like, last men in Aleppo, it's stupid to talk about this in terms of a contest. This is a film about life or death straight up you know it's it's a film about men who wake up every single day knowing they may die in the course of their duty just be you know because that's the reality of the situation and I mean Last Man in Aleppo was so difficult because they talk about like the main character Ahmed has two children and he's separated from his wife not, like by distance they're not separated but the, I guess his wife lives somewhere else and the, the children spend time with both of them and um, and they discuss this and it's like he spends time with his children and sort of wants to maximise his time with his children but like he could die at any time, his children could be just bombed, I mean they, there's multiple scenes in this film of them pulling dead infants from buildings, from collapsed buildings it almost renders the, the social context of all the other films, you know, redundant but they aren't redundant really, it's just that in Syria the, the social construct has broken down so badly that you know everyone faces this life or death con- kind of consider like consideration. I I don't really know, but I even want to win in this category. I don't know what's the most uh, well, you know. Faces I, going to win. I hope. That, do, you, do you really think I, so? I
1: personally I uh, hope that Strong yeah. Island wins. I think it uh, was just. I it was I think, such a yeah. it, it worked on so many levels for me. I mean, you could virtually discard any element of the, this true crime narrative it, it's it's almost it, it's an inciting incident but it it doesn't matter if he was guilty of threatening this person or, or violent in the scenario it, it, it's really irrelevant and it, it's more about what that feeling engendered in the family and and the film is yeah. is a beautifully composed. Funeral for this family. You're watching this family die, wither and die. It that is. bullet, the bullet might yeah, as well pierce is. the heart of the entire family. And and beyond that, what what broke my heart the most about this film was this sentiment. It, it it's such a hopeless film in so many ways because it's you hear the mother say, "I I made a terrible mistake when I raised you n- not to see skin color." Oh God. Uh, yeah, and yeah. and you say what we are fucked we are fucked
3: yeah it, it is <laughs> oh a very difficult film and and this uh, like, I mean more than anything I would like to iterate to anyone who's interested in the yeah,
2: what the fuck is going I on I don't know what's going on in the background
3: more than anything else I would like to iterate to everyone the best documentary feature watch all of them they really are all I, I apologize films. Casey's now home That's a Oh, but there it's you go. That's uh, a great yeah, segue. Well, we are
1: going to segue into, into, into a, a <laughs> much <laughs> less interesting category. Uh, but hopefully me, we can, can get I, the other just Can I out. just say, I
5: hate, to be, I hate to be a stick in the mud, but is there any way we can speed around these last two categories? Because we're going on six hours now.
1: We're certainly speed rounding the last category. This category, I'm gonna get. I have, have I a time have a, time to say. a
3: 50 minute diatribe that I wish to aim against uh, the Square uh, I wish you luck <laughs> uh, uh,
1: We are we're talking best foreign film. This one, we're we're gonna try and and. Uh, a- Let's let's get a Well, out. let's get a couple. This things is out Adam
3: tonight. and Sean's category. I've only seen two. A uh, fantastic
1: woman. I let's get, let's sure get two things that, out of the well, way. Well, the insult we can we can cross right off the list, right? Uh, yes. Are, is yes. It,
3: Haven't seen it. Could as, be Who good.
1: has seen Loveless? Is it just uh, just Sean and I? Yeah, we can just cross that one off. Uh, the yeah. list. It's it's. Uh, it's a
2: terrible yeah, that board.
3: <laughs> that surprises me. I, I have high hopes for that, but that doesn't open here yes, so for an, like another week. And I think I might be Don't in New go York. See it. I think I might be in New York when it plays, so fuck it, whatever. Uh,
1: oh, honestly we thank could
3: probably God for that. You should.
1: We can probably I, I mentioned on Body and Soul in uh an earlier
2: episode as a put over. It's a I want to see that it's sweet well it's on Netflix but it it is but I want to see all
3: of her work first I'm one of those dumb asses like I want to see the director's work from the beginning so I want to see like my 20th century which I've heard great things about (laughs) yeah
2: so yeah which she made like 19 years shut the fuck up (laughs) Sean (laughs) so On Body and Soul is like it's a very weird movie and it's kind of I guess you could say experimental in some ways but uh, it's a sweet movie it's a very small movie and I honestly Walk away from it, being like, oh, the last half is good, but uh, it kind of doesn't transcend mediocrity
1: to me. I at think the end that of the day. It, it's visually interesting enough to convince me there's a little more going on than meets the eye, and it is, uh, uh, to me, worthwhile and uh, probably my second favorite film in this category, which is not saying a huge amount, but it's it's worth watching. It's And it probably, for me, has my favorite cinematography of any nominated film, so.
2: Um, and then we have The Square, which a lot of us saw, uh, a few of us, uh, The Square, fewest, fewest uh, love, I think yeah. Maros and I, yeah, I, I, I loved The Square, I, I thought it was probably the funniest movie I saw yeah, in yeah. 2017, it's hilarious, I'm I laughed the hardest. I'm more makes the uh, I, yeah, and I I understand that. Like, the, and and I've read other like things that kind of are like hesitant uh, readings of it, or just like sort yeah, of like I uh, I, I uh, enjoy, negative reading. Yeah, of
3: I it, enjoy like. the square, but I do feel like it's it's no like let's let's be clear, it is nowhere near three billboards, but it is a film that punches in weird directions. Like, there's certain points of it where it's like. like Primarily, I feel like the the there's one scene, and it's, it's a really weird scene where Dominic West plays a uh the kind of the artist du jour uh, in because the whole film is about modern art, effectively, and set in right. uh, in an art in in a museum in, in Sweden, and um, and Dominic West plays this like highly lauded artist, and he goes to give like a speech about his art and just a conversation about his art and what he believes as an artist. And it's interrupted by a man who has Tourette's who interrupts the conversation by making weird noises and swearing constantly through the, the interview. Mm-hmm. And it's a funny scene, but it's also, I, I can't parse it. I don't understand see, I don't any... I, I'm parsing I, this see, I, 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 yeah. I, yeah, I think it's, 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 I think it's very clearly about like, the
1: farcical that, nature of like, modern communication. And, I, I, and I, that
5: seems that. great too, because Dominic West is doing the whole Q&A in his pajamas.
1: Sure.
2: <laughs> I and don't remember. I, that yeah, part. I don't I don't I don't have That's... trouble parsing that either. Like I, I I think it's funny, uh but I also I, I to me it felt very clearly like a group of elites who don't know what to do when somebody comes in and has an issue that doesn't fit with their courtesy and their etiquette. Yeah, I mean, I I would take that, but
3: I just feel like that it never. Re- and I, I mean, it could have been done better. Yeah, I like the square, and I really, I really did enjoy the square. I thought it was a very funny film. Um, I do feel like to a certain degree, it it mostly punches in the right direction. It mostly punches kind of left and punches towards like the absurdity of not of art, but of the uh, presentation, the exhibition really? of art um and the kind of the, the necessary kind of um airs and moors that come with like you know, I run a studio I run an artistic studio how do I how do I present art in a way that's appealing to people who don't give a shit about it um and I think that you know it lampoons that quite successfully but I do feel there's certain elements of the film that don't work that it it it, it does feel like it's punching everywhere because it, it kind of it, it runs into like I, I do prefer the director's previous film, Force Majeure, which I think was a a pretty funny deconstruction of masculinity with with the main protagonist you know who who doesn't was, but- who doesn't know what to do he's like he's a man and he's presented with a dangerous situation and he saves himself rather than his family and that's sure. the whole presentation of that film and it's it's much smaller it's a much more narrowed in focused thing and it works for me this has a much I more think- broader focus and i just feel like sometimes it, it loses itself. And I, I did enjoy it, but I do feel it does sometimes end up punching wildly in every direction.
2: I, I, I think um, uh, and I want to hear, because I know Jake and, and Eric saw this and they haven't spoken a while, but I, I think that me and Myros both liked it more than Force Majeure. I watched Force Majeure recently after The Square and I, I like it, but I kind of like the broad approach of The Square. Like I like the the stuff that has stuck with me has been the stuff about like broad things, about uh, the marketing department and, and, and art and commerce and um, just like just the bullshit that's inherent in those things and it's just really yeah funny I, like the YouTube it, stuff it's that-
3: funny but what, what's the target Time. like, like my, my issue with the squares I don't know what the yes if you want to present art commercially there's a problem because art encapsulates a certain specific generally bourgeois kind of you know well-to-do kind of not struggling financially not struggling identity-wise people kind of comfortable in their zone and yeah but i i don't know what the film is lampooning for me
1: i don't and again maybe i'm giving it too much credit but uh i this is probably for me the most well-realized film of the year period and uh I, I don't see it as being about modern art. I think that's just a setting. I, I think it's totally about interpersonal communication in the modern age. And and I I saw a clear through line throughout, and, and didn't find it particularly ponderous. And I I, I don't know. I, I thought it was very incisive and a film that I quite love and has grown on me more as time has passed. What did Jake? What did What did Jake and Eric think?
4: Eric or either? Um, I. Yeah, um, I'm, I was not particularly taken by The Square, I'd heard a lot of good things about it, but when I finally walked out of the theater, I thought, like, really? That? Um, like, it's not that there, that there weren't merits, <laughs> um, um, it's not that I didn't, I don't think it's without merit, I, again, it's not terrible, it's not three boor- three billboards, um, like i agree <laughs> that with that is true i i agree with jack that it's like it's it's punching in just like a little too wildly it it i think um a little more focus maybe a little bit more trimming like a sh- like a slightly shorter runtime i think would have helped um or at least it certainly couldn't have, hurt, couldn't have hurt um but my biggest problem with it that like i agree with adam that it's not um solely about the art world and everything but that's definitely it's its setting, and that's definitely a big part of the film. Is sort of satirizing this like modern high art, like il- like you know, sort of elitist culture. While uh, while sure. at the same time, uh, uh, kind of being like the the very uh, like the very personification of that culture. Like it's it, it this is like this is a film that the characters that it's satirizing would go to see and say that they had some profound viewing experience while watching. Are, are you
3: saying, Are you saying, Eric, this is the kind of film that David Ehrlich would watch and go, this is a good movie it, I, about yes, people who understand art? Yes,
2: arts. exactly.
4: <laughs> like.
2: Well, I think that's kind of a, a decent, uh, like, that. That I don't agree with that idea. Uh, I don't know if we're going to reconcile that idea, but it kind of gets to uh, a lot of problems with a fantastic woman. But Jake, did you 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 did you feel similar to Eric? No, I was score?
5: pretty similar to you, Sean and Adam. I I I loved it. Okay. I I thought it was one of, one of the more brilliant and incisive films of twenty seventeen, um, and and really funny too. Uh, a lot of the the. I, I guess you call them set pieces, but they, a lot of the moments really had me howling with laughter at like how it, it just sort of upends <laughs> these pretentious upper class uh, art installations. And it's not necessarily about art, but it does serve as a like a perfect backdrop for this world. And, and like just I'm just thinking back at all the uh, all the galleries, like one gallery uh, and the situations that arise of it, like the gallery that's just like 15 piles of gravel that accidentally gets (laughs) vacuumed up one night and... (laughs) <laughs> I do, I
3: do love that part as much as I complain about film, like
5: or just the scenes with him and Elizabeth Moss, where like he gives this really pretentious interview that sounds like it was co-written by Alex Binton, and <laughs> or and they're having an argument with the collapsing chairs in the background, or or even just like the weirdness yeah. of the condom scene that like drags on to like the perfect length where it gets just uncomfortable but never unbearable. The
1: condom. And then there's just like why does this, that, why does that, Elizabeth.
3: Why does Elizabeth Moss live with a chimpanzee? Yeah, uh, does anyone have an see, answer? No, to that, that was just a
1: completely <laughs> absurdist element. That was just like that <laughs> was a I forgot about that. Yeah, that, say, that was exactly where I was headed. I was like, "There's a there's a monkey roaming around for no reason."
2: That's <laughs> <laughs> the. the this, the the thing that I like when I think about force Majure, which I saw more recently like I said I don't remember as much about it but the stuff I do remember is like laughing every time the man cries which is kind <laughs> of the, you know it's the point right but sure. like the, the scene where he's crying outside of his uh, fancy hotel room in this resort is like funny but what is funnier to me is watching the the protagonist in the square uh, like have this like FaceTime or whatever uh, call, and like instead of apologizing, be like, you know, it's really the system, it's this broader, it's like that's so. F- funny to me because so many I, men are are like so quick to be able to be like yeah I know I was wrong but you know what's worse is the system that I was socialized in I, I do like love s-
3: I do love the advertising in the square like the concept of the advertising trying to pitch art oh oh as a thing people should participate in <laughs> and creating this absurd viral advertising campaign about a, like a little tomeless girl of being blown to smithereens. That was the best site <laughs> that was YouTube, a great site. YouTube joke. call
2: is the best. YouTube call is the best. It's so funny. <laughs> anyway, okay. Uh, we're so done, with we're done with the square. I'm gonna...
3: The square, I feel, is the Jack, we're done it, it with the, the square!
2: We're done with I'm sorry! A fantastic woman. A fantastic, I think fantastic woman, we're gonna woman talk. to me <laughs> is probably yeah. the
1: most likely to win. Uh...
3: Oh shit! That's right. That also right. got nominated. Sorry, I retract my immediately previous statement. Um, no one heard it
1: anyway. Uh, anyhow, I don't have a son to say about a Fantastic Woman. I I just kind of wish they could make a film starring someone who's transgender without it being a film about cruelty that they overcome.
3: I I would I would start off I would start off and say of a Fantastic Woman is that my issue with this film and I thought it's an okay film it's not a great film would be my like my overall thing um, the issue with The Fantastic Woman is it's about a trans woman um but I feel like 90% of the film could just be about a gay person and that kind of strikes me as an issue with the film is that the film really doesn't get under the skin of what it is to be genuinely Particular. trans. Yeah, it, it's yeah. it's it's really a film about social prejudice for being sexually atypical, and which is fair enough, yeah. which is a real thing. But the film really it doesn't push further than that. There's one scene where the protagonist has their body examined by a, a an official intermediary that's the only part in the whole film to me that really felt it was about yeah, actually being trans or being trans. It
2: was it was doing something a bit vaguer as to how like this insidious like thing where it's not spelled out in front of you as yeah. to how these things uh translate to to being aggressive to, to Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah. Who are othered. Yeah. But I I Myros put it put it away that that uh after he watched it off air that kind of uh stuck with me which was <laughs> uh I probably would have loved this movie at a different time in my life meaning younger time in my life uh which I I agree with like this is such a, like an easy thing I I don't want to be condescending but like it's such an easy yeah. thing to be like this is important you know why because it's so it's so just like beating you over the head with like yeah it, you know like it, it is like watching it, a Lars von Trier yeah, movie it, it, it's it like saying like yeah. It's it feels so to
3: me repetitive. it feels to me that so Daniela Vega, who is who plays a trans woman who's at, incredible. in film, who is a trans woman in real life, her pres- she's gonna present an Oscar at the Oscar ceremony. That feels more important than the film. And that to me yeah. feels like a problem.
4: Yeah.
2: It's not it's it, it it's one of those so I, I I think uh Jack, you said it's a it's an okay film it's not a great film I almost think the the other way where it's like I think it's an okay film and not a bad film um the well, more that I get it, like further away yeah, from watching it's it it's
3: difficult because I feel like we're in this hyper-progressive era where sure. it's difficult for a film you know if a film doesn't stake out a really you know progressive ground
2: it really loses face it really loses well, you say place. that though you say that, but like when I watch the Fantastic Woman, uh, which is the Chilean film, so it's a Spanish speaking a fantastic uh, okay. woman, no definite article. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, um, no, but it's a Spanish speaking movie, um, and the mise Saint is very reminiscent of Almodovar. Uh, Almodovar, however, you want to say it, um, and. Like like some of the scenes are just like kind of so reminiscent to things like that I watched last year, going through his movies, and um, it's just like it it was such a it was it was such like sort of like a yoke to watch that movie under because it's just like you know who did all this stuff without doing it this way, Almodovar like like he. He, this was yeah. this was like a fabric of his films. Without being like, I'm going to make a movie about yeah. transgender yeah. woman. It's like these. are This is my community. This is the people that I care about. These are the people that I actually cast because yeah. they're my friends, and they don't have to. He actually like like there's a there's. I think it's um I think it's Woman on the Verge, but um where he has a trans woman cast as a uh, a straight woman and a straight woman cast as a trans woman like opposite each other like and and he he like these are the people that he was friends with and and he made movies that just like had this stuff ingrained in 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 the text and it was just like he, it like it, it was it was just sort of very underwhelming to see a movie where it's like you know what the trans experience is like it's like getting like I mean, Will- Willow McKay, who's uh, a critic who is a trans woman, like talked about this as like, who is this movie made for? Because as me, as a trans woman, I know about this stuff, and it's telling that it's made by a uh, cisgendered heterosexual man who is just like, once he tells a story, she says, like, it just becomes gospel to everybody. It's like yeah. this is the movie.
3: It is. It's, it never gets under the skin, and it's it's very much a film of like. It's, it's it's a film of superficial oppression which, which is why I bring up the point that it'll honestly like 90 plus percent of this film would apply to gay people it's like he's in a real the, the main character of the film Daniel Vega's character who's a trans woman is in a relationship with an older man and uh, he dies from a medical illness he just dies and um she's excluded from his autopsy from his health care while he's you know after he's died she's excluded from all the stuff because she's not family since she's a man legally she's, she's also
2: under suspicion under
3: suspicion but she's also she's excluded from because she's a man she's excluded as a, a you know as a, a significant other because she's not, you know, she's not recognized as, like, a woman as a partner, as a romantic interest to him. Um, and, and these are very, you know, like, I mean, I acknowledge fully, these are very real legal considerations that homosexuals have faced very recently. Which is the idea, I mean, up until very, very recently, even in the United States, um, uh, a homosexual uh, couple could be, you know, one of them could go into hospital and be the other one would be denied access to them over the rights as a family, you know. Even if they were dying, even if they'd been living together for like fifty years prior, it was an insane thing because they just completely disassociated any kind of homosexual relationship it was completely denied. It's the same thing in this film, and that's so. It's nice that they bring that to the attention, but it's like it feels like they're a step behind. It feels like. we've already established this let's go further and this film just can't push it further
2: yeah and less than and and even further it doesn't show us who she is as a person like there's a visit that just bugs the hell out of me because she goes to visit this uh, piano teacher and I was like oh thank god it's not somebody who you know it's uh, somebody of tenderness to her And it's such a brief scene. I was like, why can't this be like a center where we get to understand her outside of her uh, oppression or outside of her victimization? And like, I mean, this is another thing where where, uh, people have talked about the movie as being like, finally, there's a movie about a transgender woman where it's not just about the victimization. And I, I don't understand that. At, at precisely all, what it's about. like besides the yeah <laughs> uh-huh. yes and, and and it's like the movie thinks that uh, the movie understands that it that this is a real person that this isn't just a victim like it's but it doesn't it's not able to show us why
3: yeah yeah it does it doesn't push that that extra element it doesn't translate into something really progressive on screen
4: I don't understand. Yeah, I don't understand why people say this isn't about victimization. It's like the whole movie is just this parade of her being <laughs> put in such. Situ- like it's li- it's like, so. I love. It's uh, so rebe- I love Emily. Whatever. It's so. Rebe- it, whatever. It, it's so rebe- I
2: love. Uh, in Breaking the Waves, she was just such a good person. Yeah. Like just on her own outside <sighs> of. <laughs> yeah. Nicole Kidman it's just like you really got to know her and I think I think yes. breaking
3: the waves is the last movie after shape of water that I literally couldn't fucking look at the screen during that I was like I don't give a shit what this is doing. So um yeah that's me okay.
1: Well, anyway, let's let's yeah, take this opportunity. Yeah, uh, again, move it's on. just a movie let's, that has so much. Let's
3: say the square is by default our favorite. It, it is certainly my favorite. Yeah, yeah
1: Fantastic Women's is just a film that involves so much uh, banal cruelty that I I just have trouble doing that these days. I mean, I I, I can't get up to watch yeah. such things. <laughs>
3: uh, yeah, it feels like it's eighty percent towards being a great movie, and it just right. doesn't. It doesn't yeah, make it exactly. It There's some really warm yeah.
1: moments toward the conclusion of the film that redeem it uh, to an extent. And I, again, I'm not going to say it's a bad film. Sure. but it's it's just there to me. Yeah, I, no,
3: I I don't think it's a bad film. I enjoyed it, but it it feels like it could be a film about something other than being a trans woman, right? Which feels to me to be yeah, a failure. I, I mean, that's on its, its
1: part. That's, it's yeah. thesis statement essentially. But now I want to transition into best animated film, which we are going to really speedrun. I'm not even going to let you guys comment individually. I'm going to I'm gonna introduce... Yes, Steve's not even here to do The yeah, Boss Baby. I'm going to introduce all five films. I have seen zero of the five. You're all welcome to chime in with whatever you have seen, and if anything made a strong impression. We have
2: The Boss Baby. Uh, the only <laughs> movie I walked out of uh, last year. Did you actually walk out of The Boss Baby? Oh, me and Sophie were like,
3: What the hell
4: are we doing? Why isn't Steve like, he went, here?
3: That's his favorite movie, uh, I'm pretty sure.
4: No,
1: we I saw it, it, it. didn't translate it's to dog us when shit. Left.
4: Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Remember what
1: I wasn't letting you guys comment on individual films. Uh the Breadwinner, Uh Coco, Ferdinand, and Loving Vincent. Are there any standouts in this game What
3: the fuck is I've, what the fuck is Ferdinand? Yes, I, I
5: don't
2: even uh, that John Cena with yeah, I, I remember Ferdinand that. But John Cena
5: bowl <laughs> in a china shop.
2: <laughs> what? Yeah, it's a big it's a big production but uh, I I will get my stuff out of the way which is Coco is oddly the best movie which I'm not a Pixar partisan but um, by default, it is the best movie. Uh, I I made it halfway through Breadwinner, which I'm sure Jack will talk about at some point. But and I made it halfway through Loving Vincent, which Loving Vincent, I can tell you exactly what that is. Uh, and that is if you've ever played like a first-person shooter, RPG, or whatever the hell, <laughs> uh, and 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 you've had to sit through moments where like the the guy has to walk through the shop and talk with the shopkeeper and has to talk about the townsfolk and, like, and you're just like, just let me walk around. That is like 90 minutes you have to do that with these characters. That's it's a vindication
3: for me because I have skipped so many opportunities to see
2: Loving Vincent I have no interest uh, yeah. in seeing it and that's a vindication for me um, and Ferdinand I've heard is terrible boss baby like I said I walked out of Coco a, a few of us saw I think Coco has some interesting things going on in, in terms of like how uh, myths or uh, truths play out throughout generations and how like people come along and complicate that but I don't really think that, that it's that interested in telling that because that that requires depth and Coco isn't exactly involved in depth as much as it is making you cry
3: I I haven't I've only seen one of these
2: so take that for what it's worth well um, Well, I think Eric Eric saw Coco right I saw Coco too
4: and I I, you saw the sequel already (laughs) (laughs) yeah Coco was the only animated feature that I saw two Coco
3: two Puff (laughs) (laughs) my
4: god Uh, but yeah um, I pretty much agree with I, I co-sign. I retweet everything Sean just said about.
2: Co-sign. Um,
4: even the even though again, like you know, it's I can tell that uh, as with every Pixar movie, I can tell that they're emotionally manipulating me, and all they want to do is just make me cry, and yet I cry every time. So take that as you. Will.
3: <laughs> <laughs> like if you cry every time. <laughs> Not every, okay, so ja- not Jack- that was yeah. okay, so so ja- I did see the breadwinner, that's the only one of these I've seen. It's the only one honestly i'm I don't know if I'll ever watch the others ever uh the breadwinner is it's not a great film, so i'm not gonna I'm not gonna say Sean is wrong, saying Coco is better. I don't have a difficult time believing that the breadwinner is interesting to me because it is it's a nice film, it looks good, it has a nice story at the center of it um and the story really can be encapsulated in that how in that humanity creates stories fictitious stories to help humanity overcome real obstacles and really difficult realities which i think is is a legitimate storyline um but the breadwinner itself has this insurmountable obstacle of it in being that it's a film it's an irish canadian co-production as an like animated film that's worth mentioning um, and it's about Afghanistan in I guess the early 2000s or maybe the late 90s it's somewhere conveniently somewhere between the Taliban being in control but before America invaded after <laughs> September 11th which is a very kind of statistically aberrant uh, kind of vision of where we're dealing with Afghanistan and it basically deals with a girl who pretends to be a boy so she can have access to society because women are not allowed society when the taliban were running afghani culture and she overcomes various obstacles trying and free her family and she escapes to a world of a story of a, of, a, of the oral tradition of afghani culture and it's based i believe on a graphic novel um I think it's I, there's so much about this film that I would really recommend. I think visually it's a beautiful film. I think it's got a lot of and I think this the idea it has the,
2: well it does those like flashback like the story stuff yes. has like this weird like paper uh model Yeah, it has uh, it has uh, this like thing?
3: stop motion almost flat 2D kind of kind of characteristic. It's, very nice. it's a very it's a very pretty film. Um, and I think I think the the, the core of that of like a humanity, you know, how humans have created storylines to conceptualize or or contextualize terrible conditions is a really interesting storyline. I think it's true. It's 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 you know it allows humanity. These stories provide an energy that allows humanity to survive terrible immediate social conditions but there's something deeply problematic to me to any film that repackages the survival instincts of the afghanis to a western audience as inspirational when western audiences really play a very large part in the terrible situations the afghanis you know suffered through and i mean this is very much the american government funded the northern alliance which became the taliban in the late 80s, early 90s when they fought against Russian invasion um, America funded them, they had a proxy war with Russia, with the USSR effectively uh, in Afghanistan uh, which was horrific for everyone involved and America kind of, you know, propped them up and gave weapons to people of dubious uh, political ideals, in the concept that the enemy of my enemy is my friend uh, which has been America's Absolutely stupid concept of foreign relations for decades now, and uh, eventually repelled um Russian advances, which was marvelous until they <laughs> largely played a part in the September eleventh terrorist attacks, which resulted in three thousand American citizens dying, and as of counting of today eighteen plus years of continuous perma war Um, it's a very weird film it's a problematic film in that it contextualises all of these things of Afghani survival and kind of um, fortitude and repackages it as inspirational to western audiences who are Intrinsic to the suffering these people it, it kind of suffered, and that, right. and that to me is—it's just—it's inescapable. Uh, and there's so much about the film I would love to recommend, as I said it's about like, it's It's—it's its it's like people being
2: like, "Oh my god, how could they?" Do that? How could they have to go all the way to a well to fill up water? Like, yeah, oh, sorry, my blue apron is here at the door. Exactly.
3: It's it's just so, like I would really, I would love to wholeheartedly recommend this because I did enjoy the film. I think it's as a film, it works quite well. It's got a very strong narrative arc. It's got beautiful animation. I think
2: it looks great. It's got really interesting visual details to it. It, it even treats some of the individual uh, Taliban uh, people like it, it treats them. It does, it has has some interesting
3: elements, like there's the one, there's an emissary of the Taliban who's very violent and emotionally unstable and threatening to the main character, to the young girl who then goes on to pretend to be a boy, and her father, who is eventually imprisoned because of this guy's behaviour, he's a violent religious fanatic but there's a certain scene in the film where he discharges a kalashnikov he's trying to trying to hunt down the the main character he realizes that she's pretending to be a boy or whatever and she he corners her and fires a kalashnikov assault rifle in her direction and doesn't kill her but and then he gets distracted because he's called to the front lines of a war against the Russians. And there's this weird cutaway sequence in it where he we get this feeling that his his whole construction of his masculine, hyper religious fortitude is you know, is is a very tenuous, kind of like thinly drawn veil over a huge right. well of of terror and a fear and he's not hes not all of these things. He's hes a terrified young boy, which he really is. I mean, they clarify he's, he's less than 20 years old. He's this terrified young boy in this society where he wields power and he just wants to fit in and this film drops it. It just doesn't follow up on that at all which is, you know, yeah. terrible to me. It's a film I would love to recommend but I just feel like it just misses so many opportunities and I really... Um, I haven't seen their previous um, there's an Irish animation studio um, behind this they did uh, The Secret of Kells and they did Story of the Sea I believe I haven't seen Story of the Sea, Secret of Kells is a lovely film, I really I think it's a really enjoyable beautiful animated film that doesn't come with any of the problematic packaging of this and um, because it's an Irish story told by Irish people this is an Irish <laughs> this is an Irish Canadian film go figure yeah so so like the the actors and to be to be fair this is uh, afghani actors um i don't know if they're first generation emigrants or you know maybe they were born in afghanistan but they're all resident canada now and doing the voices it's all in english um, but they are Afghani people doing the voices so they, they are there is a legitimacy there of them voicing their own people but in a foreign language but I just have this problem with the film that it doesn't get underneath the western like Afghanistan's modern history doesn't exist without western intervention and the film, right. the film has sequences like they have a, an early on sequence which talks about uh, you know uh, mythologizing Afghanistan's history in the wake of so much. You know, Afghanistan is a nation that's been at the fringes of so many great men's theories of world domination, and they have this wonderful sequence, beautifully animated, and so much of the film is about um, you know Alexander the Great and so many other great military leaders throughout history conquering afghanistan and that sequence cuts short if i recall at maybe a british soldier in the early 20th century is the last they have like a series of kind of like shifting moulds of like soldiers who've conquered afghanistan and it starts in like the early ancient history and moves through the medieval era and then it moves to the 20th century and i think maybe a british soldier is the last soldier they mention and it just seems incredibly disingenuous since America has spent the last
2: right. eight,
3: like seventeen years at war in Afghanistan with no specific condition—a Alle- war or I'm a just... political <laughs> conflagration. You know, uh, you know, and it's politicized. It's it's bullshit, and and this film won't <laughs> grapple with it. And to me, that's a significant problem and as much I like i say i would love to recommend the breadwinner. i would love as an an irish person irish animation has been it's been working for years they've worked very hard they've produced a number of interesting short films they you know they deserve a lot of credit for their work
2: this is how i feel about a fantastic woman like i was excited about that until until i i started exactly like i would would
3: love to tell you yeah (laughs) I would I would love to tell you that uh that the breadwinner is this wonderful wholeheartedly brilliant film that encompasses all of this, <laughs> but it isn't. It's just it's a pretty animated film. It has and it, Coco's gonna win. Yeah, it has this wonderful element to it that I think is kind of lauded. You know, I could kind of get behind it, but the baggage on it is just so heavy and difficult to deal with that i don't know if i could ever really like until afghanistan becomes a a true independent nation separate of western interests which may not happen ever um (laughs) this film is basically it's like dunkirk it's depoliticized it's it's Aggressively, Even though it is uh, about politics. Yeah, it is aggressively
1: de right, right. uh, You know, speaking, yeah. so, speaking sorry, Adam, of go. problematic <laughs> packaging, uh, I've, I've run the numbers uh, and, and zero <laughs> podcast listeners will sit through a, a four-hour Labyrinthine episode. Uh, <laughs> So with that being said.
2: <laughs> Wait till you get to the last hour. I'm with trending. that being said,
1: uh, we're going to wrap things up. I'm going to go around the horn one more time, and uh, let's do some Twitter stuff. Sean, where are they going to find you?
2: That's MR. They've come back around to letting All right, well, if you missed it in episode one, you
1: got it this time around. That's MRGLINIS. Jack, where are they going to find you?
3: Well, Twitter does not allow me to rant like I do here, so uh, that's an assurance. I am at real Jack Eason, and I am much this is, more less uh, this long-winded. Is true. Twitter is figure. the
1: ideal place to engage Jack with that character limit. Uh, <laughs> uh, I wish that was false, but Eric, it is not. where are they going to find you?
4: Um, I'm on Twitter and Facebook at Eric Bailey, B-A-Y-L-E-Y.
1: All right, and Jake?
5: I'm at uh, Twitter at three billboards uh, no I'm at <laughs> three, three billboards film, film. Uh, Fox search site <laughs> No, I'm at uh, at Jake Tropila, J-A-K-E-T-R-O-P-I-L-A on all things.
1: All right, and if you did manage to make it to the end of this episode, you know you can go ahead and email us at uh, optimismvaccine at gmail.com. And
3: uh, at, I dare you and to just complain. just
1: go ahead and tell me to fuck off and die.
2: Uh, you know that's fine. Uh, Wait! Wait till next year when we start incorporating <laughs> technical stuff like editing and effects. Oh, uh,
3: oh God, I am I'm gonna kill you myself. know. I would
2: tell you to go to
1: iTunes and rate us, but please don't. Uh, <laughs> I'll wrap this up.
0: Uh,
1: thanks for whatever time you managed to put into this thing. Uh, we appreciate you.